The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And we come to you uh, on a Sunday following the second week of the college football season, and uh, our Missouri Tigers came away with their first road loss of the year, 35-28. to 28. <laughs> Colin, I have a lot of complicated emotions about this game, and I don't really even know where to start. I know that uh, you texted me very late in the night and said, I left some voicemails, and so yeah, I knew I was, that uh, you had feelings. I was a rage-fueled maniac. Brendan, I was cross-faded AF, hmm. as kids like to say. Anyway, didn't feel great about the about the uh, the game initially. In the uh, stark morning light, uh, clear-headed, I I uh, was calmer and and more uh, level-headed about what I'd seen. But initially, I was not very happy, and uh, I'm sure that there's a couple of voicemails that will uh, sort of illustrate just how upset I was. <laughs> but I was upset because this was a winnable game. And I know that Kentucky looked like the better team, and they are the better team at this point. But Missouri had ample opportunities to win this game. And that's why I was upset. I was very upset with Drinkwitz at the end of the game. I, I you know, he hit some remarkable play calling in this game, stuff that made me very happy. But then he also had some very nutless, gutless head scratching calls as well. And so it was a, it was a mixed bag. I guess. Well, and I think if uh, we're going to get into specifics, I would say, I, I think the play that if, I'm guessing that you liked was a little shovel pass to our tight end Parker for the touchdown. That I think that was the one that tied the game. It was. It was well executed. It was a great play design. But not just that. They did a nice mix of of running and passing. I saw a lot of some hate for Basilac. Yeah, I did too. This is the first time I really had seen open hostility towards Basilac. 
But I'm going to tell you what, Basilak was not the problem in this game. And uh, our offensive line was a problem. Our defensive line was the primary issue that we had. I mean, once again, our uh, defensive line didn't lay a glove on anybody. I mean, they had a couple pressures, I'll say that. But, I mean, for the most part, it was a, it was a miserable game for our, for our defensive line and really our defense in general. I mean, I was very upset with Blaze Aldridge. He didn't get home on a single blitz because Kentucky obviously knew how to pick it up, unlike Central Michigan. And he and both I was I was upset with both he and Emmanuel Sanders because Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, me and you both felt like was going to be a the next breakout star for this defense. And Incorrect. I saw him slide off several tackles like a big wet greasy turd, and that was made me very upset. I mean, if Mizzou would have made a tackle at first contact in this game, they might have been it might have been a completely different game. But that's one of the things so frustrating is watching players just you know get juked out of their fucking shoes or just you know slide off of of the tackle it just i just want to point out to our listeners that emmanuel sanders the wide receiver for the buffalo bills is not on our team i'm referring to martez manual martez manual but i just want to explain to our listeners i speak colin incorrect so i was able to translate (laughs) that yeah Colin, it was a bizarre game because I felt like really we had no business being in that game. Uh, we the the defense had to be treated almost as if it was not it, like it just wasn't a functioning unit. That's why I think the call that upset you the most was the fourth and four call where Drinkwitz decided opted to punt, and we were in obvious four down territory and we had to score there. It, we just had well, and to. I, I didn't like the play call before either, Brendan, where they ran they ran basically laterally. And got tackled because it was, it was like third and one. And then they ran a fucking play for a loss on a run. And then we were in fourth and four and decided, you know what? Let's hand the keys to the car back to the defense that hasn't been worth a shit all night long. <laughs> it was a, a bizarre strategy. And, and it wasn't the first time we kind of shit down our leg. It was, I the, mean, game, it was the game. I was just like, well, we, we just we decided we're, we don't want to win this game. And <laughs> it was by, um, you know, now, granted, Mizzou, uh, you know, blocked a kick and gave themselves yet one more opportunity in this game. But truthfully, without that blocked kick, that play call was the game. That was that was just Mizzou's concession. We're okay with Kentucky winning this one. It was bizarre, and it was it it was not an aggressive play call. (laughs) That's for sure. No, especially Uh, for a guy who is an aggressive play caller like Drinkowitz. And really, I mean. Jesus, our defense had played abysmally, and we just going to be like, you know what? Maybe they'll be better this time. What? And they were obviously not better. Kentucky was able to score pretty much at will. They did shore themselves up a couple times and get some stops late, really when we needed it. That's when the one of the frustrating things, Colin, is that we had just time and time again certain opportunities, and when the, we needed the offense the most, they petered out. And then obviously when we yeah, needed we the, the defense the most, it was like here we go, this yeah. is our chance, and we just shit the bed, and then. Coming out of the half was where it, where our first real oh. opportunity, Colin, when we had the ball that's after. Like that's when I talk about we had opportunities to win this game. Like we had the ball and the momentum coming out of halftime, and we immediately shut down both legs. Hot dog water. Hot dog water. And I mean, there's just there's a numerous situations within this game that we just we we didn't get the job done. And you know, Drinkwitz was making me angry with the play calling at times, but what really made me angry is that sort of the flip attitude at the end of the game, like, hey, nobody get on Twitter and get all upset about this. It's like, no, goddammit. Like, we can admit that Drinkwitz has the program going the right direction. We can admit that they fought for four quarters. We can admit that on the whole, this was a positive step for the Tigers. I agree with all of those sentiments. 
But that does not mean I can't be super upset with the lack of execution and the, you know, basically frittering away a win. Frittering away a win we probably shouldn't get, you know, on the road against a more experienced team, but we should have gotten. And I'm, I'm mad about that. And I don't, I was the Pollyanna, like, oh, Missouri, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, I get it. I agree. It looks good. You know, Grinkowitz obviously has us moving in the right direction, but that doesn't change the fact that we fucked this up. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that uh, any criticism that the offense might be receiving, because it did kind of sputter out when we needed it the most, it wasn't the offense that lost us this game. Obviously, we scored 28 points, and that should have been enough to beat this Kentucky team. Um, honestly, their their passing game, it, while better than it was last year, a lot of what it was was just picking off opportunities on a weak Mizzou secondary mistakes and mistake after oh, mistake. Brilliant. The defense. I mean, there's a, I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom, a performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian podcaster. And for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A term in football called setting the edge. And anybody that knows anything about football knows what that means. It means you, there's somebody that is assigned with keeping the running back or the quarterback or whoever's going to have the ball in their hand from taking, getting to the edge and running it down the sideline and jamming it in your butt. And we didn't set the edge all game. I mean, I just, I don't know who it was, it was assigned to, but people were out of position. Uh, or we just decided that setting the edge is not something our defense wants to do. It's some sort of, sort of, I don't, it's some weird schematic thing that I don't understand. But I thought setting the edge was something that every defense wanted to do. And we just refused to do it. Oh, so frustrating. Abrams Drain had a bad, bad night. Um, he did. He had a very bad night. That first touchdown, he literally is supposed to hand off that, the re inside receiver to the safety. And be on that guy that caught that touchdown pass. But he continued to try to chase that safety rather than just play assignment sound football. You know, don't worry about that guy. He's no longer your responsibility. He's gone to the inside. He's the inside safety's problem now. You got you, you this outside receiver is now your guy. And he just he got stuck with his feet in the mud, worried about somebody that was not his assignment. That's what Bill Belichick always says. Do your job. Because the minute you try to start to 
do somebody else's job and yours, you end up fucking yourself. And so now we're set one and one. And I mean, I think the reaction to this game, I think the SEC media feels vindicated and that they thought Kentucky was better than us. Obviously, uh, we have to look at this game and say, I don't, I don't, I still think we can have a, a somewhat successful season, but this is going to be a true rebuilding year and it's going to be ugly at times. We're going to see some very disappointing football, I believe, based on what we've seen so far. That the disturbing part to me is that we, you know, we, you can't do anything about youth and age and experience other than just keep playing and plugging away and learning. But, the part where they are out of position and the part where they just look foolish and the parts where they get burned repeatedly by inferior talent, that is what makes you scratch your head and say, well, what's going on with the coaches here? And I mean, the Steve Wilkes era, he, it is not getting off to a bang start. It is. Well, a, and I'll tell you this. Oof. I'm, not, I'm not that down on Steve Wilkes. Yet. I mean, I am to the point where like, when, like I said, when I talk about not setting the edge or having a young wide, having a young cornerback, not know, not play, the position like he's supposed to, like I can live with those things, you know, because they are sort of learning the fly. I, if you really want to know who to be upset with when it comes to this defense, it's our old friend, Barry Odom, because he turned D line zoo into D line horseshit. Like we don't have a, I mean, it, it, the, the lack of recruiting is wildly evident in our, in our, in our D line. I mean, it is, it is our biggest problem and it's uh, it's a talent issue. We do not have the horses and uh, that's on, that's on Odom. And uh, so, I mean, Drinkwitz and the defensive coordinator are going to get a pass on that, at least for a little bit. But, you know, and that's why I'll tell you this. There's reasons to be optimistic. And, I, you know, like I said, when you, if you play my screaming, nonsensical voicemails, um, you know, I wasn't <clears throat> looking for much optimism that, that the, in the last night. But here's a couple things. B- Bazelak taking way too much grief. If you go to the if YouTube and watch the full game highlights, it's about a 10-minute clip on YouTube of Kentucky, Missouri. And go to minute, I don't know, somewhere like it's like 452, somewhere in there. When we scored that touchdown before the half, Basilak makes a throw running down to the sideline and throws a bullet to the sideline for a big first down to get us in the field goal range. Then his next throw, he's running to his left and throws a dime to a wide receiver, open wide receiver in the end zone. Really, really that open. They were two remarkable throws on the move. They're two throws that Drew Locke didn't make on his best day. So I want any Tiger fan listening to this right now who's down on base, like, go look at those two throws and ask yourself, honestly, does, do either one of those throws get made and certainly or completed if it's Drew Locke or because I don't think they do. You know, it, those two throws illustrate to me the reason I'm high on base lack. Well, um, I think they're, they're like the last two throws he makes before halftime. And the other thing I'm optimistic about is. I watch this game and I look at Kentucky's roster and the turnover that's about to happen there. And Kentucky's better enjoy this win. <laughs> they better enjoy these, these, the high times they've had at Mizzou's expense because those days are very quickly numbered. They are coming to an end. Last Yesterday, if you want optimism, if you're South Carolina or you're Tennessee or you're Kentucky and you watched an underwhelming group of players give Kentucky all they want at home with that quarterback, they're in trouble. I mean, everybody in the SEC East who's does not named Florida and Georgia is in trouble. If the tr- if this train stays on the track, and I know this is crazy because for how angry I was, but at the end of the day, they did fight for four quarters and they gave Kentucky all they wanted, and they were in this game to the end, and they had no right to be. And if you take this same 
game plan and this same coaching and you put players on the defensive line that can actually play football and this, this talent that Drinkowitz is recruiting, you know, even comes close to fruition, we won't have to worry about podcasts where we bemoan the fact that we lost to Kentucky. I can promise you that. Somebody is singing a different tune than last night. <laughs> well, like I said, I've got a little more perspective. That doesn't change the fact that I was very, I'm still very angry with the play calling. And I don't like the attitude of like, hey, nobody should be really down or nobody should go on Twitter and be crazy. Like, no, we, you did some stuff that is legitimately worthy of craziness drink. Like, it wasn't all fucking roses. I mean, you didn't win. But there just wasn't very many bright spots on defense. The one we had that fumble that would have been a touchdown. That I can't even remember the kid's name, number one. I've done lost his name. But he actually put a stick on Kentucky's very physical running back and fumble and force that fumble and change the identity of this game because if they would have punched that in and made it 21-7 it could have got out of hand and by rights it should have gotten out of hand I mean when you watch that game it's it's clearly Kentucky was a was the better football team and but I have the optimism from what you said like that Kentucky is a team full of seniors you know to next year's Kentucky is frankly it's going to suck and we are a young team and we hung with these guys this is Kentucky's ceiling and we could have won that game. Well, let's let's say this: if if Drinkowitz was coaching Kentucky, and we and they had our game plan, they would have beaten us by four touchdowns. And so that's why I say Kentucky, at their very best, could barely beat a a, a young <laughs> team. Second that is year just coach, trying to, second year coach, trying to figure it out. And that's and they they get a team full of seniors, the best team they've had in years with Mister. Coach, big time coach himself, Mark Stoops, barely got the job done. <laughs> so, like I said, that's why I'm like, if for all the Kentucky people rolling around in it right now, you know, hooting and hollering and coming at us on Twitter, I'm like, enjoy it. Hey, you, you won, you earned it, enjoy it, rub our noses in it, have a ball, enjoy it. Cause I'm gonna tell you what, it ain't gonna last. And be prepared for us to squat over your face and take a steamy dump as soon as it comes to fruition on our end. Yeah. And uh, Kentucky's earned that. They have earned a, a dump face. <laughs> It sure has. <laughs> I said it's, it's a cliche for a reason. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, I, I, I understand, Colin. I, I do I share your. Usually, I'm the like wildly irrational one, and I still am on Twitter. Last night, I jumped to conclusions. Usually, about five minutes into the first quarter. Um, <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, but uh, thus far, they played out to be correct. But we, you know, we've got a sort of get right game with Semo. I think one of my biggest concerns by the end of this game was that Bazelak was getting beat up pretty bad and he was holding his side. And, uh, from all indications, he's just a little banged up and bruised, but should be ready for next weekend. And, you know, people that were down on Bazelak, Colin, one of the things I think they're down about, I, or there's been talk of, they didn't like his accuracy with the deep ball. And I think that maybe that's misreading the reality of the situation. There were several times we went deep and Bazelak would overthrow the, uh, the receivers. But the reality is that that those receivers were not getting separation. And if you can't get your guy open, you do overthrow the ball because you don't get it intercepted that way. You underthrow the ball and you can get picked off. So that's just sound well, football from a guy, you know, trying to squeeze something that was barely there. But, uh, you know, it's not the kind of windows that Chase Daniel was looking at when he was chucking a deep. Well, and I would say to those people, like, it's easy just to look at what happens, ball, receiver. But what you've got to take into account is at least a couple of those throws that I saw, those throws came early because he was under duress. I mean, when you're going to throw deep, you have to have a pocket and you have to have some time for that 
receiver to get, you know, to get separation or to, to run a long route. And, you know, the offensive line did not have the worst game in the world last night, but they certainly didn't have the best. And there a couple, at least a couple of those deep throws I felt like were, Bazelak was forced to pull the trigger a little earlier than he wanted to. And like I said, I, I, I really, I feel like a quarterback is always going to get too much credit and too much of the, and too much blame. But I didn't see him. Bazelak was not the problem last night. I mean, the vast majority of our problem last night came on the defensive side of the ball. And the most of our offensive problems came from you know, the coach, in my opinion. That, you know, I, I don't think we had that many offensive problems, but the, one, the ones we did, you know, I didn't. Some of the play calling just was great and some of it was bad. I mean, Drinkwitz reminds me a little bit like Andy Reid. He's just such a, sometimes it just makes you, drives you crazy. It's like sometimes you think, God, this guy's a genius. Other times you think, what is this idiot doing? And Colin, you know, we haven't even really discussed the person we should have been talking about the most, which is Tyler Beatty. And who is just awesome. I mean, I kept saying that to my wife last night. He was like, he is just fucking great. He's the greatest. I mean, he stretched yards out of things that he, he is pushing down the middle and dragging guys with him every bit as good as Roundtree did last year, if you ask me, Colin. And he's still able to move off the pass and do like, he, he he can do the sweeps. Anything you ask of him, he can do, and he's going to pick up positive yardage from it. That's, I think it was on our first scoring drive, Bryn. One of the most impressive things I saw him do that, that people probably may not have seen or no, know they saw was they set up a screen pass to him on the left-hand side, and the offensive linemen were still getting out there out in front, and Beatty waited. He literally stopped and waited for that offensive lineman to come through, hit his guy, and then he hit the, hit the hole. But that patience, him waiting for that offensive lineman, you know, most, a lot of running backs would have just got that ball and went pedal the metal, get downfield as fast as you can. And if he would have done that, he would have been tackled for about a six-yard gain. Instead, it turned into like a 25, 30-yard gain because Beatty is a good, is just that good. He's like, he saw the play develop in front of him. He knew he needed to give it a second. That lineman hooked up in that block, and then he took off. And he let the play develop, and it just... It speaks to the fact that he's a senior, and it speaks to the fact that he's just he's got a vision and speed that are better than most. I, but it's a little thing that people don't see, but it was great. I am um, getting a little nervous. I, I, you know, I worry about our depth, and I haven't really seen uh, players like Elijah Young really kind of come out into their own. We've relied so heavily on Beatty. I think was it Cooper? We got him into the action a little bit more. I think you'll see more of that against Semo, though. I think yeah. this would be a good opportunity to let Beatty get. I mean, they're going to let Beatty get his 100 yards. and they're probably, Beatty's probably going to have a huge game next week, no doubt. But I'll bet you if, if Mizzou's drumming them by fourth quarter, I bet you're going to see some more Elijah Young. You're going to give us a look at some of these guys. Well, I think we need it because I do think we were beat up. And, and, and we'll give Kentucky their due. They are um, as good a Kentucky team as we've ever seen, I think. And they, uh, they're they at least as they're as well-rounded of a team as you can get. You have to really do give, I think, Mark Stoops some credit in that there's not a lot of real soft spots in this Kentucky team, but they're not a great team either. Like you said, Colin, we are very, very imperfect and we just barely lost by a touchdown, but, uh, you know, and shouldn't have, and really honestly should, but, but Kentucky's a legitimate team this year. You know what I mean? They're- no, absolutely. And that's what I mean. Like this is a game that we should have won and they were a better team, but we should have won it. We just, and I mean, I'm too harsh. I am being too harsh. I mean, they're, they're, they're young players. They're not supposed to, but, that's what's so frustrating about the Drinkwitz call. Like you could, you expect that Drain kid to not have a great game every game. I think he's going to be a good ball player, but he's young and he's caught, caught out of position. But Drinkwitz is the head coach, and that that fourth down call. I mean, that literally it was it was a concession. It, it, there's there's I no one's going to be able to talk me out of that uh, 
opinion. I mean, when you when he decided not to go for it, he just said, "We're not going to win this game. I'm just let's move on to next week," because there was no way under the sun that our defense was going to stop Kentucky. We hadn't done it all night. We weren't going to start now. No, and they were gassed as well. You know what I mean? On top and of I all think, of it. You know, the worst part about that is, is that we were moving the ball. I know it was a it was a fourth down, but the offense was rolling. You know, I mean, we had some good things going. I just felt like the air was taken out of us. The next time we got that possession, I was like, it was it's a completely different feeling. You know, Mizzou had been moving the ball. I think everybody had some confidence, and it would have been the opportunity to, to you know, convert a fourth down, maintain it, score a touchdown, take a little control. And, um, and I mean, he just advocated it. I, I was – it's as disappointed as I've been in, in, in Eli Drinkwitz since he's been here, without question. I, I would love to hear the mindset. I, I wish – he would answer for why, why did you opt punt on fourth and four? Because I just can't imagine a, uh, a an answer that makes any. There's no that there wouldn't be any logic behind. Yeah, I mean, what's the answer going to be? I thought our defense was going to be good for the first time all season. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right, in the right. Fourth quarter when they're when they're fucking gassed. Yeah, I mean, what kind of sense does that make? No, and, and also I just want to say because we do. I mean, I feel like people are so sensitive about any critique. You know, we're high on Drinkwitz, um, but there's no point where you're going to have any coach that you're 100% feel like they did the right thing all the time. And this is an error, you know, and it, it just is an unforced error. Yeah. Well, Colin, we're going to uh, come up against our break here. So why don't we do that and come back and we'll have a look around the horn. And I think we've got some Kansas news. So looking forward to it. This is the Mazzotcast. Hey, Mazodcast fans, we are going to throw the first ever Mazodcast tailgate live October 2nd, Missouri facing Tennessee. We're going to have everything, food, entertainment, all the personalities from the Mazodcast will be there. We're going to have all kinds of things to give away. We want to see you. We're going to have the biggest tailgate we can throw and get you in the mood to watch a Missouri victory over the lowly Tennessee volunteers. And you can come back to the tailgate, drink all you want, and watch Tennessee fans cry sour grapes. Sour grapes. Live in person. It's going to be glorious, and we want you to be there. So get your ticket to the October 2nd Missouri Tennessee game and come to our tailgate in Lot N, as in no, Peyton Manning doesn't play here anymore. And join in the first ever live hot garbage. Hot garbage. Mazodcast tailgate extravaganza. <laughs> some listener music for you it is b morgan who sent us this one the song is called bank if you want to get your music on the show and we'll play it live for the listeners send it to mazodcast at gmail.com we want to help you get some ears on your music 
Colin, I think before we do go around the horn with the SEC, we need to give our listeners a chance to make their voices heard. We opened up the listener lines last night. I told you we had 20 voicemails in our win over Central Michigan a week ago. Tonight, Colin, the voicemail count for, again after Kentucky sits at uh, 46. So uh, 20 after <laughs> Central Michigan and 46 tonight. Why don't we get into it now? Let's open up the mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. I'll remind everyone, these are chronological. So the first ones you hear are early in the game. Early in the first quarter, not looking good. Maybe I need to pick up a hobby this fall. Uh, this is bad. SEC officials can eat a dick. <laughs> it wasn't the officiating that hurt us last night. We got some lucky breaks. Hey, guys. It's 21. I've been drinking, but the one thing I want to say is a positive, absolutely positive this entire game. His drink has not lied to us. He shot us straight from the beginning of this week. We weren't ready. That's all I got for you. Where'd my dog go? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess he was honest with us, but kind of we were kind of paying him to make the team ready. Yeah. Steve Wilkes is hot garbage. Hot garbage. The defense is hot garbage. Hot garbage. We can't tackle. We can't play. The, the D-line is crap. The one job Eli had to do was hire a defensive coordinator that was decent. Instead, we get the trash heap of the Arizona Cardinals who can't coach defense. We're screwed. This season's it's a waste. Dumpster fire waste of crap. And I'd be there for Tennessee and for Florida. God help me. I need more. I need more. I, I'm, I'm too sober for all of this. <laughs> I think he might be a little too down. I mean, this is it is game two, and I know that's a, something coaches no, say, but I can. I, I was after this game, I was despondent. Yeah, well, I was too. I was much more down last night too. So I'm going to give everybody a pass. Holy fucking shit! This team looks so goddamn bad right now. We just look unprepared. Everyone's fucking getting penalties. Everyone's fucking lying offside. These fucking six years seniors on the defensive line kick still can't learn to fucking line up onside. These fucking, oh my God, dude. It just looks horrible right now. It just looks fucking awful. We're losing my two touchdowns. Looks unprepared. They're letting the fucking off. The defense looks fucking horrible. The defense looks, anyone can see this defense. It, it looks like a fucking high school team right now. They're getting run up and down the fucking field. Holy shit. If this doesn't change, I'm going to have to start fucking drinking early, dude. I cannot take this anymore. M-I-G. <laughs> Z-O-U. Hey, this is Ned Mike. Hey, this is stupid. Hey, Mike. The talent Mizzou has compared to Kentucky is just ridiculous. I swear, if, if Mizzou fans stop coming and supporting the team because of fucking loss, because we're so fair weather all the fucking time, and won't go to a damn home game, you got to have fans in the stands to recruit in the SEC or anywhere, period. So go to the games, even though Mizzou lost, stop fucking bitching all the goddamn time, even though I am right now. <laughs> like this is like Mizzou just doesn't have the talent. We're not that good. Defense sucks. Linebackers are fucking hot garbage. Garbage. Everyone knows that. They get sucked up in the fucking play. Aldridge, who only you think he could do is fucking blitz. Fuck it. Doesn't Mizzou game. <laughs> <laughs> Analysis. This is the first fucking time I've called into this fucking thing. I've listened to you guys for years and years and years. This is the most embarrassing game I've ever seen Missouri play. It sucks. Well, this guy doesn't remember Purdue. It sucks. It sucks. (laughs) And you're right. They set us up. They knew we weren't going to win this fucking game. They set us up. The defense is miserable. The offense does have – they have no clue what the fuck they're doing. 
it sucks. And now I have to watch fucking Matt Carpenter ground out. Oh, my God, Missouri sports sucks. Uh, don't worry, the Chiefs are on today, and uh, I appreciate that call. But like I said, that is that is hyperbole, because if you want to go back to the Mazodcast archives and listen to uh, the Purdue show, where we got beat by 100 points by a dismal Purdue team, I feel like that was, in my recent memory, that was my low. I, I can't think of a single loss that was more disheartening. No, that was that, and Indiana was a bad one for me as well. No, Indiana was bad. It was really bad. But I think the Purdue loss, maybe just because it's fresher in my mind, but mm-hmm. I just I, the Purdue loss nearly nearly made me take my own life. Good lord! You know we've certainly wallowed in this before, and maybe it'll make people feel better to know that they weren't alone. I've been watching this game, and I'm not happy with Steve Wilkes. It's ridiculous. Been a loyal fan my whole life. Hyped for the season. Coach Creek hyped it up, you know. I'm, I'm pissed off. This is unacceptable by our defense. Cornerbacks look like shit. O-line or D-line can't do anything. I'm pissed off. And that's it. <laughs> look at Connor Bazelak when he's not running for his life half the time. And honestly, he's the, he's the quarterback you want when a guy, Drew Locke couldn't go through his progressions in the amount of time that Bazelak is allowed. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I mean, we lose it. We, we, this, this game is only competitive. Because of base lack, you know what I mean. I, I just, and Beatty. I don't, I don't get. Well, yeah, but I mean, from a quarterback standpoint, I mean, not, as in comparison to Drew Locke, and I, I always feel like we're bagging on Drew Locke, but I feel like Drew Locke was had a huge arm, but but really enjoyed a better cast around him than Baselak is getting, and Baselak, it's it, to me, is playing better football. An absolute gift from goddamn what? I am back in midseason form. God fucking damn it! I'm terrible leaving messages. <laughs> <laughs> You, know, you gotta stick to your guns. You gotta keep at it. An absolute gift of a turnover by Kentucky on the one yard line. God damn it, these games get me so fucking tense I can't even talk. Seriously, have we even stopped them one fucking time? I don't I don't remember seeing Kentucky's punter. What the fuck is going on with this goddamn defense? Steve Wilkes? God damn it! Fuck It's <laughs> the exact right mood to have been in at that moment. Yep. He said it all. Fucking go! End of the half, Basilak, what a fucking beautiful drive. Basilak looks fucking amazing. When we got by a touchdown, we gotta keep this shit up for the second half. Thank God this game's not fucking over already. I was about to fucking lose it. M-I-Z. <laughs> so, we've had a Basilak is fucking amazing and a Basilak is playing like shit. And same, same call. Or not the same well, call, but said. same. Go watch the game highlights. You know, like I said, there's a there's the full game highlights on YouTube. Anybody can watch it. And right at the end of the half, I mean, the two throws that he makes <clears throat> before the end of the half are special. I mean, that's just, they're special. And uh, we're lucky to have him. Hello, BazooCast podcast. <laughs> uh, just wanted to check in and say, really, without a whole lot of anger, uh, they're just not very good this year. It's unfortunate. Uh, this has this is halftime now, and uh, yeah, it's a one-score game, but this has all the ear bakings of a 50 to 14, I guess, point loss. So we'll see. Um, the defense is bad. The tackling is better than last week, but the defense is bad. As far as I'm concerned, only Beatty really showed up this week, uh, at least so far. Uh, everybody else seems like they're just taking the week off or kind of going through the motions. I just watched a linebacker get blown up by a quarterback. It just can't happen. It just can't happen. It's true. At least Tennessee lost. Kansas lost. The Ohio State lost. So I guess I'll consider this not a horrible weekend. But uh, anyway, I keep watching. I'm beginning to get nervous, though. The drink is 
one of those coaches that can recruit like crazy, uh, however, just doesn't know how to coach on game day. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit early for that. <laughs> yeah, we had some issues, but uh, I'm I'm not ready to make those kind of proclamations yet. This is Sean in Missouri. I feel like we all were panicking as one in the at the beginning of this. It's it's just how it goes with us as Zoo fans, and also that our defense looks like shit. But it looks like we rallied, and I think we can look hopeful. It's just basically all my hopes and dreams live live upon this first drive when we get the ball up to half. Uh oh, I got bad news for you. A touchdown or a field goal, I'm alive. If we don't, this team is dead to me, and this the season is be shit. He didn't. <laughs> this young man was disappointed. Yeah, we need Ron Howard's voice here. They didn't score a touchdown. He didn't. What's up, guys? It's Kelly from Sedalia. Hey, it's halftime here, and uh, I'm watching our Tigers play like dog shit for the most part on defense. Offense looked okay, but just excited to see how we turn out the end of the game. Hopefully we tighten up that defense a little bit, score a few more touchdowns. And maybe Drinkowitz can pull it out again this year. That'd be great, wouldn't it? M-I-Z, guys. Hey, guys. Kelly from Sedalia again. I just realized that I forgot to say uh, the annual fuck Matt Stinchcomb again. He uses absolute hot dog water. And I fucking hate him. I hate the games he calls. He's a piece of shit. Okay, bye. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> the announcers were not the best. The uh, SEC Network just never gives us the A squad, that's for sure. They were so fascinated by the fact that there was a full crowd at uh, Kroger Field and that they were loud, apparently. And it was better than last year when there wasn't a crowd. I think that uh, sentiment was repeated at least 15 yeah. times last year. I feel night. like they got that point across. <laughs> yeah. Well, dip me in KFC and shove me up some old twat fucking vagina. <laughs> that was a hell of a drive there at the end of the half, boys. <laughs> Maybe we can keep this fucker going. That gentleman is a poet. <laughs> is that a sane? And if you, uh, we got a lot of voicemails tonight, so if you didn't get on the show, just know that that did. Yeah, if you didn't make it on the show, there's lots of reasons. Sometimes you guys' phones are breaking up or your messages are too long or you say something so inappropriate that we can't put it on. Even us. But uh, just know that that gentleman who just farted in his phone for 30 seconds made it. <laughs> we found it better. <laughs> Bedazzled Sack is keeping our offense alive. I have no idea how we're in this game other than Bedazzled Sack. But fuck yeah, let's go. And that's the thing. At least at the very minimum, a serviceable game. But he kept it. I mean, we scored 28 on the road to a very good Kentucky team. Dude, it's been a while since I called you guys. It's midway through the third quarter. Holy shit, I can't. I don't even care. I mean, obviously, I want us to win. But even in a losing effort, the way this fucking team has responded, I'm not used to this as a Mizzou fan. I'm fucking freaking out. What the fuck is going on? M-I-Z. There was that point in the game when we did tie it up where I thought, you know what? Drinkwitz is going to fuck around and win this game. And that's, that's why that fourth down call was so disappointing because yeah. we were moving the ball. I felt like Mizzou had wrestled back the momentum in this game. And I was like, we've got a chance. We've got a chance. And then we just said, yeah, forget it. <laughs> yeah, understood. Hey, did you know it's loud at the Kentucky game? <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> Indeed. Holy fucking shit. I guess they've moved Arrowhead out to Lexington, Kentucky. Who knew that SEC football fans would be loud? Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Mizzou needs to fucking go down and score here right now. Base leg looks fucking amazing. Fuck, there's no way we should be in this game right now, but Mizzou, Mizzou's got to pull this off if they want to separate themselves from Mizzou in the past. We need to fucking go down here and score and fucking finish this game out. Please, God. He didn't. Stop not going for it! On third and fourth and one. Fuck you. Fourth and one. Go for it. Your defense can't stop anybody. I don't care if you're on your fucking 20. Go for it. The defense sucks. Fuck you. <laughs> well, who's that? I don't know. Emotional kid. Yeah, crazy person. Stop, you fucking idiots. Jesus Christ. Phil. This fucking defense. Look how many fucking more tackles this blaze cod would have. He was in fucking position half the fucking time. He just got burned again. Oh well. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. <laughs> this defense fucking sucks, plain and simple. I mean, there's no way this team wins six fucking games this year. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. We just fought the field goal. It's still 35-28 with two minutes left. This team sucks. Steve Wilkes, Steve Wilkes needs to do something about it. It's, it's unacceptable. MIZ. Yep. Mizzou fucking does it again. How many fucking times, bro? How many fucking times? We're going to fucking come back, have the fucking best fucking fuck a goddamn kick, and then just stall on the last possession. Fuck. This one really fucking hurts. This yes, one it does. really fucking hurts, man. Yes. God damn, bro. It did hurt. <laughs> bro. He speaks for all of us. Bro. This was an objectively fun game. However, I can't stand hearing the press box super friends talk about these new fucking corners we got from Tulsa. It's Tulsa. Our defense is hot garbage. garbage. It's trash. It's awful. However, I do love drink. I think our team showed a ton of fight. I actually like where we're going. Not this year, but in the future. I'm very excited. M-I-Z. Honk honk. Shit covered balls. <laughs> and you said it all. I do not want to fucking hear that soft as Charmin horseshit about us playing. Plus, <laughs> the whole fucking game. Good for us. Woohoo! We played tough. Fuck that. We played like a bunch of soft pussies and we play called like a bunch of soft fucking pussies in the end of this game. Fucking fourth and three, fourth and four. I don't care what the fucking yards was. It was the fucking ball game. And we didn't have the fucking nuts to do it. And we had the fucking nuts to finish. We had the fucking nuts to tackle. Fuck it. I don't care how happy. I mean, we are on upward trajectory. I get it. It's looking better. But this game should not fill you with fucking confidence. A bunch of fucking pussy horseshit. <laughs> well, that guy, uh. That guy sounds unhinged, but I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I mean, he needs to take it down a notch. For sure. <laughs> well, that fucking sucked. Youth consultant Connor here. But my one positive takeaway is that once we got our head out of our asses, we actually looked decent. So hopefully this is like the Tennessee game last year where we're saying, damn, we, I wish we got that Kentucky game back. Whatever. Hopefully the rest of the season doesn't suck that bad. We're going to have some highs and some lows this season. I mean, keep in mind, Tennessee sucks this year, too. Uh, that could be a fun one. Holy shit, if I have to read 
this fucking mating song of the loser on Twitter for much longer. We played fucking hard. Oh my gosh, everything looks... We should have won this game. I don't want to fucking hear about the recruits or the trajectory or how fucking good we're going to be. I agree. Things look good. But we should have won this fucking game. And the only reason we didn't is because we are fucking soft. It's goddamn Charmin. We had a hundred opportunities to win this game. I don't want to hear about what should be or what's coming. I want to talk about what failed tonight. Jesus pretty fucking Christ. This land of the losers that I'm listening to of how happy we are to fucking jam it our own ass and lose. Because we fucking lost this game. Kentucky didn't beat us. We lost it. And the fact that people are happy with it makes me want to stab everyone in the fucking face. Yeah, that guy. Somebody should. Somebody should check on him. Yeah, <laughs> unhinged. All right. I think the only thing that's going to allow me to sleep at night is to think that this is just a coasting year until Drink brings in the really good prospects. God, it's hard to be a Mizzou fan sometimes. M I Z boys. Yeah, Z O U. Part of the job. You know, being a Mizzou fan, Brendan, is a lot like dating a dirty, dirty whore. At some point, you're going to have your fucking own heart ripped out and shown to you. That's right, and uh, your wallet stolen. <laughs> Fuck you, Colonel Sanders, you son of a bitch. I'm never eating KFC again. <laughs> Dark sucker. Yeah. Uh, God bless our fans. Man, that game was the second most tragic thing I've ever seen happen on the 11th of September. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> That's staying in. I don't know. How is that possible? Uh, we didn't say it. We uh, yeah, do not endorse right. any phone calls we get. <laughs> yeah, don't lay that at our feet. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, we did not endorse it. Anyway, Colin, yeah, that uh, I, I, I shared a lot of the sentiment with our fans. Not all of them particularly at the end, but... It was a tough one to swallow. It is uh, one of those things where, you know, growing pains are real. And I think that might be what we're going through now. I hope so. Why don't we look abroad to the rest of the SEC, Colin, and see what happened? Because there were some interesting games. And I think, uh, I know you'd like to talk about them. And I'm pretty sure our good friend, the Paul Feinbach, would too. So why don't we go around the horn? We, we, we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. Some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. Brendan. Yeah. I would just like to point out what an amazing theme song that is. And uh, <laughs> thanks again to Mike Steele. Every time I hear it, I'm just like, that's gold. Yeah, it's it gold, is. Jerry. It's gold. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, one of the worst things about. Caleb not being able to be on the show very much is that his theme song is also fucking gold. Hello? Yeah, the Caleb the Greek theme song has been trapped in my head many times. <laughs> All right, hey, would you fire up the Paul Feinbach, Colin? Here we go. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Alabama. Okay. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. A little glitch in the system. Yeah, you got a little flutter there. All right. Well, why don't we start off, Colin, with the Finebot's favorite team in the world. Alabama. Alabama. That's right. We're going to get these out of the way fast because Alabama is going to snooze its way through at least the first half of this season. Uh, they played Mercer, which is a disease as well as a team, and won 48-14. to 14. <laughs> 
any word yet if a third of the country refuses to be vaccinated for Mercer, Brent? <laughs> There's a chance at that. <laughs> but Alabama had the cure. You're right about that. They did. They uh, they had no trouble with Mercer. They go to 2-0 and on the season. They haven't played their first conference game yet. Let's move along to Georgia versus UAB. This is another snoozer. Number two in the country, Georgia, destroyed University of Alabama, Birmingham, 56-7. to <laughs> We're getting to the interesting part of the uh, docket, Colin. Did you watch any of the Texas A&M-Colorado game? No, I don't like watching baseball when football's on. <laughs> oh, wait, that was a football game. I just zoomed out the score. That's right. Yeah, what a disaster. Yeah, A&M's the team that's going to threaten Alabama this year. Give me a break. <laughs> not sure about that. Yeah, they don't look that great. I mean, they had me convinced this year that uh, A&M was back now. But much like their brothers of Texas, uh, not quite back to me, it doesn't look like. Yeah, Colorado isn't good. You're right about that. So yeah, t- Texas A&M wins 10-7 to in that matchup. Uh, they're still ranked number five in the country, our Texas A&M. Florida played South Florida, and this was on the road. They played at South Florida. Uh, the Gators, number 13 in the country, won 42-40. I love it. Just chewing through the cupcake part of the season. Uh, then Future SEC member Texas, number 15 in the country, went down to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on the Arkansas Razorback and Sam Pittman's Fighting Hogs. Colin, what did you think about the outcome of this game? Well, I mean, um, Arkansas played well. Texas played awful. Um, Texas was miserably. I mean, they were fucking so overrated this season. I mean, they were ranked. It was It's ridiculous. Ar- Texas sucks. You know, Texas is Arkansas. And Arkansas just worked them. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you what. I, I think at some point in the not-too-distant future, Texas is going to regret the decision to um, be in the SEC because I think they're going to they're going to have a very hard road to hoe. I, I like that bet. I, this was a uh, good taste. Here's a little taste of SEC. I'm like, hey, Texas, you want to join the conference? Here's one of our worst teams. You're going to lose by 20. Uh, Arkansas put it on them 40-21 to 21 was the final score in that one. Ole Miss took on Austin P. And uh, a little fun fact, Austin Peay's fans literally chant in the stands, let's go pee every game, which is uh, weird. I want some uh, some whiskey. Old, they probably pissed themselves with the beating they took from Old Miss. Yeah, 54-17. to 17. Old Miss didn't even play all that well, and they had no trouble with the Austin Peanuts. <laughs> and speaking of having no trouble... Auburn took on Alabama State, and this one wasn't even fair. This was simply a monetary exchange. Auburn won 62 to nothing. Dictum. Dictum, as Caleb would say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then uh, this was <laughs> this was one. South Carolina, I think they were um, underdogs in this one at East Carolina. But the Gamecocks were able to uh, pull out a 20-17 to win and uh, stay undefeated on the season. South Carolina, not yep. good, but good enough on Saturday. Yes, sir. I've never seen a team or fan base so happy not to lose to a team they shouldn't even be within 20 points of. I mean, they're just like, hey, we beat a terrible team at the last minute. Bully for us. <laughs> Perhaps you have you heard of the Kansas football team? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But that's what I mean. South Carolina closer to Kansas than Alabama. I tell you that. You're right about that. Well, speaking of terrible football teams, uh, Tennessee took on Pitt, hosted Pitt on Saturday, and this is something, Colin. Tennessee lost this game, forty-one to thirty-four. Yeah, Heupel on the sideline just looked, you know, looked like a guy who was uh, eaten up with dementia. He's like, "Where am I?" Who am I? <laughs> Why what am I my here? Name? Why am I here? 
Can you help me find my car? <laughs> Tennessee had they, they looked really bad. I mean, as bad as we felt about the loss to Kentucky, you look at a Tennessee team which is just floundering early, like they tend to do. But it's nice to not be the fucking orange checkerboard idiots. Okay, Mississippi State took on NC State. Much like South Carolina, I don't think Mississippi State was favored in this game. Uh, but they pulled out a convincing win, 24-10 to over their ACC foes. So uh, Mississippi State is 2-0, and and they don't look like a great football team. But they did play a lot better last night than they did uh, a week ago. Yeah, yeah, maybe Mississippi State's going to be okay. Um, I doubt it. I don't think NC State's any good, but uh, yeah. you never know. Yeah, I think that's right. And then LSU took on McNeese and uh, won 34-7. LSU's got some problems. I mean, they won this game, and they did it easily. But I, I am curious when they get into SEC play just what Ed Ogeron's team is going to look like this season because I'm not convinced. Yeah, I, I think Ed is not long for this world. I don't know. I mean, it's LSU. I mean, you win a national championship one year, and two years later, everybody's ready for your head, you know. Uh, LSU does not look impressive. I don't know. I mean, will Ogeron get another season after this? I think that's the real question is if he doesn't have a good season this season, will he get next season to try to turn it around or will it just be this offseason will be? We're looking for somebody? No. Not sure about that. Vanderbilt took on Colorado State. They went to Colorado State, Colin, and uh, good for our good friends in Nashville. Vanderbilt won this game 24-21. to In terms of great matchups in college football history, this will not qualify. <laughs> kind of shocking, really. Yeah. Apologies uh, to everybody listening to Midweek. Corey Fatoni was way off. <laughs> yeah, he was. He's going to have to prove well, himself. Don't let him hit Brendan. I, keep that under your hat. I mean, I, sometimes I feel like insulting Corey in public at these days might be... Yeah, he knows some guys. Dangerous to our health. <laughs> He's a connected fella. All right, well, why don't we look ahead to next week, On We're going to get through some of these cupcakes, and the uh, conference schedule is going to start to fill up a little bit more, and that's going to be when things really get interesting. So let's get into it now. Texas A&M is going to be hosting New Mexico. Uh, I don't know anything about New Mexico. They're 2-0, and but uh, Texas A&M is going to need to look a lot better next week than they did this week. Well, it'll, it should be easy enough against New Mexico. I don't think they're very good. Yeah. Paul, who you got? Texas, A&M. Yeah, we're all in agreement there. Okay, Kentucky is now going to take on Chattanooga. They're 1-1 one one on the year. Kentucky obviously coming off of their big win over Missouri. I think this is going to be an easy one for the Wildcats. Agreed. Kentucky. Tennessee is staying in state. They're going to be playing 0-2 Tennessee Tech. So I think uh, I don't see a line on this game, and I don't know if there will be one. But uh, obviously, Tennessee's going to win this thing. Well, those are the only games I'll pick Tennessee in. <laughs> That's right. Tennessee. Now we're getting into the conference part. This is going to be a good one. Number 11, Florida, who obviously wants to contend for that Eastern crown, is taking on Alabama. Alabama's coming to Gainesville. Uh, number one, Alabama looks almost flawless. It's a 2.30 game on CBS. It's the big one. Yeah, Florida's going to be able to deep knee bends over a fire hydrant when this one's over. I, I just I don't see a team in the SEC on the in the West or the East that stands a chance. Alabama, Alabama, Nick Saban, Nick Saban. I think you're right. You'll overheat. Nick Saban. <laughs> All right, you're already glitching, Paul. Okay, uh, Arkansas is taking on Georgia Southern. They're one and one. It's a home game. That one's going to be a snoozer. Mississippi State is taking on 2-0 Memphis. I always feel like Memphis is quite a spoiler team, no matter who they're up against. Yeah, Memphis is a, always seems like a dangerous team. So, And it, it'll be nice to see uh, Mississippi State play somebody maybe that's not bad at football. 
I don't know if we're there yet. I know NC State wasn't very good. They played Louisiana Tech, who's one of the worst teams ever, and barely beat them. So I don't know. It's uh, And then after that, what, it's LSU. I mean, Mississippi State's a little mystery to me. Yeah, I, I think they're not very good, but uh, they're going to continue to limp along with this easy uh, early calendar. Paul, who do you think is going to win this one? Mississippi State. Of course. South Carolina, it's going to be an Eastern matchup, uh, is going up against Georgia on ESPN at 6 o'clock Saturday night. Number two in the country, Georgia, is a 30.5 point favorite in this one. Well, that's, um, I don't know if I'd take that, but it's, uh, it seems <laughs> plausible. Georgia. Yeah, the, I think that uh, South Carolina is going to be much overmatched. Obviously, Vegas does too, if they're putting a 30 burger on them. Well, I think Will Muschamp did to South Carolina what Odom did to Mizzou, only worse. You know what I mean? Like Odom left us a little bit under talented. A little bit in disarray, not to put too fine a point on it. And I think Muschamp did the exact same thing to South Carolina, except worse. South Carolina looks like that Beamer guy just took over just a disaster. Well, and the thing about uh, Muschamp doing that is it was entirely predictable. Yeah, in fact, I think you can go to the week they hired him and listen to the Mazadcast, and we were told them exactly how it was going to turn out. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so uh, outside of the conference, but uh, two top 25 teams going at each other. Auburn is heading up to number 16 Penn State. Auburn's ranked number 22 in the country. It's the uh, 630 ABC game. This will be a good Big Ten SEC matchup. See where they stack up. I mean, Penn State's a top 10 team right now, and if Auburn can compete, then uh, they're looking sharp early. Who knows what Auburn is? They played Akron and Alabama State so far. I know, yeah. yeah. Big wins against nobodies. I don't know what to expect in Penn State. Well, here's what we are going to find out next week. That that Central Michigan win for Missouri, what does it mean? Central Michigan Chippewas are going to be taking on LSU in Death Valley uh, Saturday night. So we will find out what LSU thinks about Central Michigan. I hope Central Michigan can play football with a stench of corn dogs surrounding them. Yeah, it'll be a challenge. It always is. And then Ole Miss will be taking on Tulane. Tulane's already one and one on the year. God, I, I'm telling you, Colin, the the docket is a little weak this this week. But uh, Vanderbilt is taking on Stanford. That's an interesting matchup. It would uh, yeah, a bunch of smart kids in a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, Stanford in a lot of years would absolutely have clobbered Vanderbilt, but they're already one and one on the year. And Vanderbilt just coming off a big win against Colorado State. I don't know. I still go with Stanford. I can't imagine Stanford losing to Vanderbilt. Really hard to believe. Imagine anybody losing to Vanderbilt. Paul, who do you got? Vanderbilt. Just a true believer. And then our final game of the night, Colin, uh, the eleven o'clock start time on ESPN. Plus, or the SEC Network Plus, which means nobody wants to watch it, and they don't care. If you do, uh, Missouri takes on SEMO. It's our get-right game. We need it. I, it looked like um, everybody's pretty banged up after Kentucky. That was a physical football game, so it's it's nice to have SEMO to hopefully um, get reps but uh, get also get healthy and prepare for Boston College because um, with this loss to uh, Kentucky, I feel like it makes Boston College almost like a must-win. You've got to take them where you can find them, and then we get into the heart of the conference schedule, and you don't see as many wins on the board there. So you've got to get those early ones out of conference. Paul, um, what's your take on this one? I'll pass on watching the Missouri game. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand. If, if you're going to pass on any of them, pass on this one. Okay, Colin, that'll do it. That's the entire uh, schedule of games for next week. We've gone around the horn. All right, Colin, our next order of business is to check in with our neighbors to the west. It is time for Kansas News. Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, and sons of bitches. 
is Kansas News. All right, our first story of the day. Kansas woman charged in school parking lot assault. Hmm, this is interesting. Uh, a woman suspected of running over another mother in a Kansas middle school parking lot during a fight involving students and parents was charged Friday with six counts arising from the incident. Tyla Jack, age 39, was charged with two counts of aggravated battery assault on a law enforcement officer battery on a law enforcement officer. Jack turned herself in Thursday afternoon. She was accused of running over and critically injuring another woman in the parking lot of the Bruce Middle School. Police say the confrontation started with a fight between two girls at the school. After the officials broke up the fight, they called the girls' parents, who showed up on the scene and then made matters worse. Yeah, she sounds like she's fit to raise children for sure. <laughs> yeah. As the mother of one of the girls walked away to leave, police alleged that Jack ran her over and dragged her. Jack then fled the scene. No students were hurt in the altercation. The woman who was hit was taken to an area hospital with serious injuries. Good lord. If you, uh, if you have children and you take those children to school, you obviously see garbage people dropping their garbage children off at school. Okay. Uh, every school's got garbage people. Okay. And so I want our Mizzou fans to think about those garbage people that they see at their schools and uh, just know that that's the entire Kansas school system. <laughs> like those isolated garbage people in your school district, that's what, that's what the Kansas schools are completely made up of. So this is – that's how people get run over in parking lots. <laughs> All right. Next story. Licensed Kansas bail enforcer who posed as Wichita police officer while drunk – is sentenced. <laughs> That's a mouthful of a headline. A licensed bail enforcement agent caught impersonating a police officer in Wichita while drunk last year will spend at least a year on probation. Daniel Corori was arrested and charged with 10 misdemeanors after authorities say he pretended to be a law enforcement officer in Wichita, some evidence of which was caught on video in his own car's dash camera. Good Lord. In one instance in April, he pulled his white Hyundai Elantra behind two teenagers working on a car outside of a local home, activated flashing lights in his own vehicle, identified himself as Wichita police, and told them to get out of the street while he held a gun at his side, according to an affidavit. He was wearing body armor and a gun holster at the time and even gave the boys a fake badge number. Dash camera video from his car showed several other incidents in the days leading up to the April event where he yeah. allegedly impersonated police by using lights and sirens, showing a badge to a driver, pulling to the side of the road, speeding and driving recklessly while using fake emergency signals and claiming he was an officer to all citizens. Well, you know, I can say two things with some confidence, I think, about this young man. And that is, one, he's not unfamiliar with a swirly, and uh, he has a tiny, tiny penis. I mean, you imagine how small your cock would have to be to behave in this manner. Well, it's not just uh, small pickle syndrome, Colin. It's it, This guy's insane. I mean, what is yeah. he doing? He's insane. Well, I think he's been made insane by small pickle syndrome. I think it, it, it's, it's gotten to his brain. He's like, my cock is so tiny, I'm going to have to go throw my weight around as a fake kansas police officer <laughs> it's true and and small pickle syndrome is known to do that to people when police found him and his car at harrison park Harari told officers he was working and also admitted to drinking alcohol that night according to an affidavit he was taken to jail after failing field sobriety tests and police found the lights a loaded gun a police siren and other items inside his car 
The Gates prompted police last April to put out a public request for contact from anyone who was pulled over or approached by a man impersonating a law officer. SPS is real, Brennan, and it's serious. It is serious, Colin, and uh, yeah, it leads people to do crazy things, especially crazy Kansas people because they don't have uh, too far to go before they're off the edge. All right, well, there's a final story of the day for our friends in Kansas. They played Coastal Carolina, number 17 in the country, Coastal Carolina. As you mentioned, Colin, I'm sure they were hoping that would be the case when they put this one on the schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Coastal Carolina ran away with it 49-22. to 22. I think we all saw it yeah. coming. Kansas literally looks like a high school football team. I mean, they are bad. Every year, I think they can't be worse. I see them play and go, nope, they're worse. I, I don't know how you rebuild a program from where Kansas is at. I'm not predicting that it, it would happen. I just, I mean, I don't, if you gave them Nick Saban, I don't know if he could resurrect it. Yeah, it, it may be beyond repair. Give Nick Saban a, uh, like, it, whatever budget he wants. And I don't know. I mean, it, it, they're so far gone. It doesn't bother me at all either. <laughs> happy, 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 it's, happy it's happened. Yeah, same here. All right, Colin. So the final duties we have for the night are to give our awards, our uh, little good news, a little bad news. We're going to do, uh, I guess, our first, do you have any douche of the week candidates? Brendan, I, I, I don't have any candidates that come to mind. You got anybody? Yeah, I did have one, if uh, if you'll allow me. I don't know if you've been following, you know, Deion Sanders has taken on the role of head coach at uh, Jackson State and is getting a lot of headlines for the performance that they, his team has had on the field, but he's also made a lot of headlines for shit he said off the field. And a while back, he chastised a young reporter for not referring to him as coach and uh, said, you wouldn't talk to Nick Saban that way. You wouldn't call him Nick. And uh, I guess like, yeah, actually, I, I do do that. I talk to him all the time. And a released video of him addressing Nick Saban as Nick. Uh, but but I bet that made Deion Sanders immediately go, hey, you were right. I was wrong and apologize. I bet he was very contrite. No, in, in fact, yeah, I, I know why you think that, Colin. But it, as a matter of fact, this headline says, Deion Sanders continues to insist to be addressed as coach, compares it to the title of doctor. Well, here's what I know about Deion Sanders. He was a very good cornerback in the NFL. He was an entertaining, entertaining enough personality that he – had a, a successful television career and he has no way qualified to be a head coach. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he's done good things there and he's brought a lot of attention to a small HBCU, but he's also just, he's famously arrogant and has been his entire life. We can't expect that to go away just because he's doing some good deeds in Jackson state shitting on reporters uh, for not calling him coach. I, I'm, yeah, that's, I mean, that's douchey. Man. That's douchey. That's, that's very douchey. That's like sort of the, the epitome of douchey. Yeah, let's call him Douche of the Week. Douche of the Week. And uh, the last award, Colin, I think I think this is an easy one this week. Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair, Player of the Game. I mean, there's only one candidate, right? A candidate who exemplifies the beauty that is Kirk Farmer's hair? That's what I'm talking about. Well, well who you got? Well, I mean, it's Tyler Beatty. The guy made plays when the plays weren't there. He dragged people. He's been answering the bell. Every time when asked, he is the lifeblood of this offense, and he is one of the primary reasons we had any chance of being in this game. Uh, Tyler Beatty showed time and again that uh, he is a super talented back, 
and becoming one of my favorite tigers. Yeah, we need him to stay healthy, that is for sure. Do you have any arguments uh, for anybody else? No, absolutely not. Of course not. I mean, Tyler Beatty deserves all the awards. All right, let's give him, I guess for the second week in a row, uh, Kirk Farmer's here, play of the game. All right, Colin. SEMO, I mean, you don't want to overlook any games, but come on. This is practically a, a bye week for our Tigers. I'm hoping that, and obviously nobody gets hurt, but I'm also hoping that uh, we get to see some of those second and uh, third string players. And I'll tell you what, Brendan. Our, our our mother said to me today, I, I didn't realize that Mizzou played Cape Girardeau. I didn't, are they allowed to do that? I, oh, I guess they are. I'm like, yes, mom, they are. They're on the schedule. You know, she, even our mother, our 71-year-old mother, was taken aback by the idea that Mizzou would would do this to another team in the state. I mean, it seems cruel. <laughs> it is. It is a. It's a strange matchup, and it's a, again, it's just a financial transaction, essentially. Yeah, most like much like uh, many of our listeners' uh, sex life. <laughs> that's that's certainly true, and uh, I don't know. I've I felt bad. At first after this game, Colin, but I, uh, I just kind of want to swallow it and move on. I guess you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. And I do think we're moving in the right direction. I just know that, uh, it's going to be tougher than we thought because their defense is just certainly much worse than we thought. Well, I saw, uh, again, I was said earlier in the show, I saw a lot of Kentucky fans crowing and they've got a right to crow six out of seven years, but in six out of seven years now, granted, I, most of that falls at the feet of Barry fucking Odom, um, who, you know, as we, the further we move away from that whole era, the more it's just like, wow, what were we thinking? But they are, I mean, it's coming to an end. Like if, if Drinkowitz stays and he keeps recruiting and they keep playing this way, our defense is always, isn't always going to be this bad. <laughs> and, uh, like I said, Kentucky's best team in who knows how long. You know, could barely get the job done. So enjoy it, Kentucky fans, because it ain't going to last. All right. On that note, Colin, MIZ. Z-O-U. God damn, bro. Shit covered balls.